The Frequency 49 show is brought to you by Niner Empire GB. Frequency 49 show. I'm Kat Victorino, and with me today are James Little and our previous host, Paul McDonald. Good evening, gentlemen. Good, Good evening. evening. <laughs> well, it's been a rough week for a number of us, and before we start, the Niner Empire GB has lost a friend. Deepak Gohill has recorded this remembrance for our friend, Kevin Cadle. It is with enormous sadness this week that we learned of the tragic passing of Kevin Cadle. Whilst we all know Kevin from his NFL broadcast on Sky Sports, he was also the most successful basketball coach in British basketball history. Kevin Cadle introduced an entire generation of fans from the UK to the NFL, and with his knowledge and deep passion for the game, he also taught gnarly seasoned fans a few things or two with his warmth and gregarious screen presence. The international series the NFL now holds in London is synonymous with Kevin Cadle. He would always be there, and even whilst hard at work with his journalistic uh, obligations, he never ever turned away anyone who wanted to shake his hand, have a chat, or take a selfie. He was such a warm, compassionate, and kind man, and we will miss him very, very dearly. And he was also one of us too. He was a real fan of the game, so I know that not many of us would begrudge Coach Cadle's Buffalo Bills a win this Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So long, coach, and rest in peace. Unfortunately, this is the final time out for you. We will miss you very, very dearly, and we will never, ever forget you. And as the game grows and develops here in the UK, and maybe one day we'll have a team of our own here, please know and believe, wherever you may be, that you were instrumental in making the great sport of the NFL and basketball a permanent and legitimate sport for British fans everywhere. Thank you, coach. We will miss you. Thank you, Deepak. That was wonderful, guys. It was uh, it was a very touching tribute to a guy that, for a hell of a lot of people, especially now in the international series era, he was the face of NFL in the UK, wasn't he, James? Yes, he was. When I first started watching NFL, and I turned the to- the TV onto the Sky coverage, that was the guy that was on my TV and who introduced me to the sport. And he was the guy that I learned the sport and the sport that I fell in love with. He was the first face I saw and uh, the face that really intrigued me uh, and sparked my interest. I think he was charismatic. And Deepak's, uh, his uh, tribute was perfect. Mm. Mm. It was, it was. And it definitely seems like we've lost a, a really good guy all the way around. He, he, he just seems so sort of... Not just knowledgeable about the game, but giving as well. I mean, James, you met him a couple of times, didn't you? Yeah. Um, I met him at the International Series. And uh, yeah, I was there in, amongst a fan meet. And he was just there. He was just, I remember it distinctly. He was just there in a coat chatting away to someone. And I, I went up to him. Uh, I actually went up to him and said, you're, you're Kevin off Sky Sports. There was no cameras about or anything. And he yeah. just thought, oh, how you doing? And everybody knows that his term was my man. He just, first thing he told me, said, how you doing, my man? And <laughs> I met him yeah. there and uh, just had a handshake with him. I regret I didn't have a picture taken with the man. I, I don't know whether I, because I didn't, you know, I just I say mindly starstruck because he, he was the bloke in the face that I associated that got me into the sport. And the reason I was there, the reason, you know, one of the reasons I was at the international series game, Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I admittedly I only met him once, but I spoke to him a few times through our social media connections, obviously, and the yeah. lead up to the great interview that you guys put together with him last series. So yeah, it hit me a bit hard this week because I thought it was kind of, uh, you know, how I got into NFL was a big, Kevin was a big reason for that. And yeah, it was a bit of a sad uh, moment. Oh, so uh, on a personal note, away from the NFL, he was a very motivational guy. And I, I was lucky enough to be Facebook friends with him. And he used to do brilliant motivational, uh, Monday morning motivational videos. I was always, always cheered me up. If, uh, you know, everyone going back to work on a Monday gets you down. So uh, it always, always brought a smile to my face. So yeah, I'll personally miss him and miss seeing things of him. Uh, online so yeah 
great, great guy, great guy. It's one regret that I never got to meet him. Um, I mean, obviously, as you said, we got the opportunity to interview him last season and he was, again, he was so giving in that interview. Um, nothing was off limits. We could talk about anything we wanted to and he was, he was just, it came across, he was really, really friendly during that interview and I think the NFL in the UK is a slightly sorrier place that he's no longer with us now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's hard to follow that up, but the Niners did play a game on Sunday. <clears throat> Week six found the 49ers in Landover, Maryland to play the Washington Redskins. The Redskins held a 17-0 lead and through midway through the second quarter, Coach Shanahan benched Brian Hoyer in exchange for C.J. Beathard, who led the 49ers to tie the game midway through the third quarter. Unfortunately, the missed field goal by Robbie Gould would be the price paid as the team fell to 0-6 with a 24-26 loss. Looking at some of these stats, guys, what stands out the most to you? I mean, Hoyer was 4 for 11 with 34 yards. Beathard was 19 of 36 for 245. Cousins, on the other hand, was 25 for 37 for 330. Two touchdowns and one INT. That shows you right there the disparity between the quarterbacks. Yeah, the key thing for me looking at our team was the difference in the in Beathard and Hoyer. It had, something had to change. Um, you know, everyone's been calling for the quarterback change. And I think eventually... It had to be done. It could have completely backfired. I feel it went very well, um, considering you know that's his first NFL action, and uh, I think his first his first two plays were both ten yard plays. One was a handoff run, uh, and the other one was a ten yard pass. So, you know, immediately there was a spark. We're obviously going to see going forward uh, with him being named the starter, but there was an immediate spark. Uh, of different to now offense it really enthralled me um yeah the result wasn't what we wanted we were officially the best 0-6 team in nfl history so let's wear that badge of pride <laughs> uh, well no, it was good uh yeah i'm gonna play a little devil's advocate here and paul i'm gonna i'm gonna throw mark's question to you mark noli asks should we stick with hoyer or go with bethard for the rest of the season and of course we all know that shanahan has come out and said that bethard is going to be the starter but let's look at some of these stats um hoyer versus the cards 24 49 234 yards one int of course it was a loss hoyer versus the colts hoyer was 29 of 46 for 353 yards two touchdowns uh, and another loss, another close loss. Hoyer versus the Redskins, 4 for 11 for 34. No INTs, though. No touchdowns. Beathard was 19 of 36 in that game last this past week. 245 yards, one touchdown, one INT. And here's the thing that's telling to me. Hoyer is currently sitting on a 74.1 passer rating. Beathard is 72.1. Is there an improvement by putting Beathard in? What do you think? Right. First of all, for... The game that was played on Sunday, when Hoyer went out, we were 17-0 down. When Bethard ended the game, technically he would have won that game because it was 24-9 with Bethard on the field. If you look at just the, if you if you look at just the scores per per player, while Bethard was on the field, the score was 24-9 to the 49ers. Hoyer has never really looked like he was going to last the season at all. He, he he didn't look part of a 49ers system. Bethard, we just don't know right now. He's played two and a half quarters of football. But in the two and a half quarters, I saw not just a better quarterback, I saw a better 49ers under Bethard than I did on the way. The strange thing is, that included the defense. The defense seemed better when Bethard was quarterback than when Hoyer was quarterback. And I questioned on the game day thread at the time, is there something going on between Hoyer and the rest of the squad? Because it was almost as if they didn't want to play for Hoyer. They were and almost- I was going to go there. I was going to ask yeah. you about your conspiracy theory. And mm-hmm. and what what is it that that made you think that? Maybe it's, maybe it's just the new guy on the field. I don't know, but... Some something clicked when Bethard came on the field, and the stats kind of back that up. Two hundred and forty-five yards off nineteen passes from Bethard, whereas 
so it's, it's over what it's over 10 yards per completion Hoyer is under nine I think he's under nine yards or just over nine yards per completion it, it just looked like the 49ers were a better team and again under with, with when Hoyer was on the offense the defense let 17 points go through them when Bethard was on the offense they only let nine points go through them and Bethard was on the was on the field for longer than Hoyer was. I think it's that spark. I think it was, I'm hoping it's a spark for the whole season, but I think mm. the it was a spark in the game. It was something new. Um, I think it just gave them a new bit of optimism. I don't know whether that's the internal trust in the rookie quarterback. I mean, these guys are seeing these two quarterbacks a lot more than we are. Precisely. Um, so perhaps the whole team knew that Bethard's a qu- better quarterback. But yeah. Brian Hoyer was purely getting played on his relationship with Shanahan. The fact he's a veteran and the fact he's on a hell of a lot more money than the other guy. Mm. So perhaps down to pure footballing reasons, the whole team knew that Bethard was the better quarterback. And hopefully going forward, if they've all got a lot, you know, both sides of the ball have confidence in the uh, quarterback, they're going to play better. So perhaps if the whole team have got a newfound confidence, or not a newfound confidence, a, a confidence in this young quarterback, it's hopefully going to spur on to do better things. I mean, we've seen so many examples in the NFL of, court, you know, these lads that get uh, drafted in the second, third, fourth round, and of course the famous one, Brady, back in, what, the fifth or sixth. I know it's the most quoted, quoted thing in the NFL, but you hear it that many times, you just oblivious to it but we see these guys get drafted that are just expected to be backups and only play if injuries take place and they you know they turn out to be decent quarterbacks Dak Prescott for the Cowboys who we face this coming week I don't think anything was massively expected of him nobody thought he was going to turn out so perhaps we we could have found a you know a gem everyone's talking about the quarterback going for next season well we're still in a season and we've got a new quarterback so yeah, yeah. let's see the what other, we've got the other thing is that with Hoyer on the field, on the offense, the defense are on the sideline, and they're going three and out. They're going three and out. They're going three. I wouldn't blame the defense for thinking, yeah, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas yeah. with Bethard on the field, we started making drives. The defense starts getting the rest that it's needed all season That's because true. it's been on the field so much with all these three and outs. Same as last season, really. And. You think of how long four extra plays, just, you know, for instance, like you say, three and out. Um, So, you know, they've seen three and out, three and out, back on on the field straight away. Just, you know, that one or two extra first downs, um, that extra time off the pitch, that extra, you know, extra few sips of a drink, extra couple of minutes sitting down makes a hell of a difference in yeah. in this game because it's so you know so intense and so physical and you know you go back you, I can only imagine what those guys would feel like so it's, it makes a great difference um, it's a great point it really is a great point you know when you look at how so much focus has been on the poor offense of ours this season that you know it has so much of a detriment on the other side of the ball yeah so it's a very good point Paul really is uh, the, the other thing with Bethard, one, one thing I wanted to bring up as well, the interception, as far as I'm concerned, the interception was nothing more than a Hail Mary. And as we all know, they're 50-50 at best. Right. That was an interception Wonderful. in Punch. name only. I, yeah. Be, be, you know, my, because the, 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 the penalties <laughs> that forced us to go back that far. Yeah, I'm sorry, Kat, I'm taking over, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. He's back. He's back. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Hoyer Bethard's in. The itch is being scratched. <laughs> oh, dear. Know, we were in uh, what, five, six yards off field goal range, and then the, the penalties pushed us back and back and back to the point that we had no choice but to go for a Hail Mary. He went for it. It was a 50-50 ball. It was just one of those things. Back to yeah. you. <laughs> Well, I, you know, okay, uh, honestly, I'm excited to see CJ out there. I want to see what he, he can do. He's been, you know, doing what every rookie is supposed to do. He's supposed to study that playbook, soak it up, you know, and then get in there and, and perform. Um, But we have to remember, we're still the best losing team in football. And that was behind Hoyer. You know, all these losses, really, this last game, the Redskins games, was was, was Beathard's game. 
You know, he had more time on the field, like you said, Paul. He had more time on the field than Hoyer did. So it really was his game. Well, and he still lost. Yeah, but he was starting as a 17-point underdog. So you think if he had started that game? He'd started that game. I'm more convinced that we would have won it because he he brought them he brought the team back to you know to 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 lose by two when you're down 17. That's a that's a 50 point deficit. He, Just remember, wh- we don't do moral victories. <laughs> We keep talking about that in the game day thread. We don't do moral victories. No, but you get a point. You know, when he came on the I field, know. points down, we ended up two points down. Anyway, we're still the best losing team in the NFL. That's yeah. got to be something. Uh, well, let's see. Let's continue on the Bethard subject. Michael Wandry, our friend in Germany. Hi, Michael. Asks, will Bethard improve or will the poor interior line and the abysmal running back blocking get him too? I think that that interior O line is terrible. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's terrible. There's no denying that. There's everyone can clearly see. I I would honestly imagine that somebody who's not really watched an NFL game would be able to watch our any of our games this season and look at us offensively and go, "He's just they're just going straight up the middle every time. They're like turnstiles." So, but I think he will. I think he will. And purely down to the fact that he's a rookie. Um, I think he's going to have less fears than Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer is experienced in this league and he's had some bad hits. Bethard hasn't had them. and I don't want the lad to get hit, but he's going to have that fearless young attitude. And I think um, just purely, I'm purely based on his age. I don't really know how quick he is. Haven't watched a lot of his college stuff. Don't watch a lot of the college game, to be honest. Only highlights I see get banded around on social media. But I imagine if he does come under pressure in that pocket, he's probably young enough and quick enough to get out of that situation. We might possibly, I know he's known as a pocket pass, and Shanahan says he is a pocket passer. But if you've got a big guy running up straight in the middle for you, your immediate reaction is to try and turn and run. Or alternatively, do a Brian Hoyer, hook the ball like, you know, like it's a teddy bear and go down in a court ball, which our O-line likes to do sometimes. But yeah, I think he's going to do better. Uh, yeah, I think, honestly, I think that there was expecting Hoyer to get injured this season, possibly uh, as early as this. Um, I've got a feeling that this was kind of the plan. We always knew that we were going to see Bethard at some point this season. I think it might have possibly come sooner, but Kat's exactly right. This young guy um, will have put his head straight into the playbook. And, you know, if he's given his chance, this is, you know, this is this lad's career now. If he makes a success of it uh, or, you know, does well, um, if, he, if he doesn't continue with our team, he'll get another job at another team. But I think having that young, exciting guy, um, well, so hopefully he's going to be exciting. We'll see. Um, I think it's. I think it's going to go well for us. Um, yeah, we're we're the most we're the best losing team in the NFL at zero in six uh, of full time. I, I love saying that. It makes it sound so much better than it is than zero in six. <laughs> it sounds great, doesn't it? But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think he's short answer. Yes, he's going to do better because he's younger and hopefully less. Uh, yeah, he's fe- younger and fearless. Fearless method. Fearless CJ. Well, and looking at, at the rushing stats, um, CJ did run for, for one for 14 yards. If for one run for 14 yards, that's the first down. I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we'd have seen that from Hoyer. No. And Hyde was 13 of 28 um, for 28 yards, 2.2 yard average. Mm, that's not so spectacular. Breda was four for 21. That's a little better. You know, you always want to look at, or at least I do like to look at are the running backs getting us at least halfway to the next down with each run and you know yeah <laughs> Hyde seems to still get the ball though in the goal line situation yeah. so I I kind of get blinded by seeing Carlos Hyde run into the end zone and I know Rob has spoken about the talk of him getting traded I don't think Rob would be adverse to him actually getting traded not at this um, point and I, yeah I wouldn't say Rob's not a big fan because he's a 49er player and I think Rob will support them all <laughs> But um, I think Rob wants to see the younger guys get more of a chance. Um, I do get blinded by seeing him run into the end zone, scoring a touchdown and doing his mm-hmm. bicep pulse. Uh, if, you, if it's a pulse, you know what I mean. Uh, his celebration, his end zone celebration. Um, I'm a big Carlos Hyde fan, but look, actually looking at it and 
due to the discussion that Rob has created in the group and me actually going out of my way to actually spend time of watching every single time Hardest touch the ball. Yeah, he's um he's he's not doing too well really, is he? I mean I know he's scored touchdowns, but in terms of pure rushing, which is his job as a running back, he's not actually doing that well. I'll say it, Rob, he's not actually doing that well. <laughs> you are right. You are right. And looking at um, some notes I made over the last week, um, because I had fully intended upon returning today, uh, I had read somewhere, I think SF Gate had reported that the Niners were looking at extending the contracts of both Hyde and Eric Reed, but nothing firm has come out of that yet, so that's still really kind of up in the air. I think that's a discussion that should be kept till the off-season. Um, and I hope they do leave it till the off-season. Uh, let's see. Looking at some of the receiving stats, Garcon was 5 for 55, 11-yard average. His long was 22 yards. Uh, Hyde got 5 for 47, 9.4 yards. Uh, Kittle was 4 for 46, average was 11.5 yards. So we have some good hands out there. They need to uh, get some touchdowns, I think. Okay. Now... Simon asked a question, and this was number one on my list when I started thinking about what we wanted to talk about today, because I will always complain about the stupid penalties. And Simon Holdsworth asks, what is offensive pass interference? And he wants us to discuss it. Now, I did pull it off of the NFL. It's stupid. Let's see. Well, I went to NFL.com and I put in there what is offensive pass interference, and it came back with me a penalty called when an offensive player impedes a defender's ability to play pass defense. This can mean setting an illegal pick where an offensive player intentionally gets in the way of another player's defender. Pass interference is also called when an offensive receiver shoves the defender away from him prior to making a play on the ball. And we've seen Garcon do that a few times. Yeah. Uh, the penalty is 10 yards from the previous line of scrimmage and the down is replayed. Offensive pass interference cannot occur behind the line of scrimmage or after the ball has been touched following the throw. But Paul thinks it's stupid. So discuss, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's been a mess, really. Um, especially the, the, the last OPI that we got that took us back to the point where Beth had had to throw the Hail Mary. I, I'm not even sure that was OPI. I know that to the letter of the law, he impeded whoever the defensive player was, but they simply ran into each other. To me, that's not OPI. It's, and I didn't, I, I know that there was a lot of talk about the one against the Rams. I didn't actually see that one. Um, but I th- as far as the 49ers goes, I think because we've, committed so many penalties we're attracting penalties if that makes sense yeah mm-hmm. you know absolutely they're, they're looking for a reason to throw the flag on the 49ers because we are the most penalized or second most penalized in the in the in the league this season i think there's a little bit of that to it um yeah there are blatant ones garcon he needs, you know, he needs. He knows exactly what he's doing. He needs to stop because he knows he's going to get flagged for it. And that is, if it's not costing us games, it's costing us field position, which makes the job that much harder. We uh, we are the most penalised team in the NFL. We've got a total of fifty six accepted penalties, um, and we've allowed for seventeen first downs by penalty leaving the NFL, leading the NFL. That's that's yeah, that's, 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 that's ugly. Painful. But this for me, this is this isn't this this regime's issue. This was something we had last season as well. Oh yeah, definitely, the penalties yeah. and the um, season before and, and the season before exactly. It seems to just. I don't know whether it's just blended in as part of watch as part of watching a Niner game is the penalties. But then I only realise when I watch the other other games, I'm like, there's no flags being thrown, there's no referees throwing them pretty little yeah. yellow flags with the balls on the end. But it's it's weird how it's like just become a bit of an accepted thing in my mind. And then till it starts costing us like it's cost us in this game. But I do think with Garcon, I think purely down to his physicality and the way he plays. And it used to happen when I watched Bolding for us because he's physically stronger than some of these defensive players. He's getting called for offensive pass interference because he's purely out-muscling them sometimes. I mean, there's a fine line as we then... I would not like to be a zebra, a referee in the NFL. They have a really difficult job. Um, 
And a lot of the times, you know, we see in the game day thread, we can't understand how they get these calls wrong. Even though we're having so many replays on the screen, they can be up for review. It is a very hard job. Let's let's just, you know, we all agree on that. But I do think that we have got this reputation. Um, so the team's only got themselves to blame, not even just this team, the team that came before it. But I think, yeah, there is something in that as an organisation, as a franchise. There is, I'm not going to say like a bias from the referees to what, you know, they're not more prone to give, um, you know, fouls and stuff on us. But it does seem to be something of the past three years or three teams that has transitioned from every team to yeah. this one included. Um, and I, for one, would like to see it gone. And let's just, just for the purely, the flow of the game as well. Yeah. yeah. It feels like we're the Raiders of the nineties where the Raiders were year after year after year, the most penalized team in the league. And yeah, it, it, it definitely seems like we've attracted that. Yeah. So, yeah. And a lot of these, I agree. A lot of these, these interference PI uh, flags, both offensive and defensive, really come down to that human element where they're taking a bit of the more of the fun out of the game you know the the players have to be able to play and have to be able to you know make a play on the ball and sometimes that means you run into a guy you know it's yeah. it's a physical game and that's that's one of my frustrations with with any pass interference play is 9 times out of 10 it's more of them just playing and running into each other and they're going to get called yeah yeah. So, uh, any other thoughts on this game, guys? Before we move on, I just want to stick up for the kicker. Um, I don't think that you know. Even yourself said at the beginning with the missed field goal was that the difference. I don't think it was uh, the difference in us losing this game. Uh, I mean, he missed a forty-seven yard field goal in the third quarter, having Bethard brought us back from all those points anyway. It wasn't the kicker's fault we were that many points down. Yeah. Um, and he hit 32 straight field goals for us anyway. So, you know, but we can't needed that 33rd one. <laughs> we did, we did. And, you know, they live and die. How many top, How many kickers have we seen lose their job already this season? Mm-hmm. It seems like more of a, more of a, like a play piece for these head coaches because of there's that many guys out there that can do it. But I do think we've got a good kicker. We've been fortunate to have good kickers since I've been watching our team. I do miss Uncle Phil. He was always reliable. But, uh, yeah, I don't think we should put too much on Robbie Gold. I say 32 straight field goals is an achievement in this league. We've got a decent kicker. Let's not put too much on him. Um, and let's, you know, he'll, he'll probably he'll probably kick us a field goal to win us a game this season, hopefully. So yeah. I just wanted to stick up for him. That's all. <laughs> I've seen him get a lot of stick. I'd agree with you there, James. Um I definitely wouldn't put this on Robbie Gould. The penalties did more to hurt us in the last game against Washington than that missed field goal did, definitely. Exactly. There you go. There's yeah. just. I mean, I blamed the initial point deficit that we were down and, yeah, our young quarterback brought it back. But there you go. There's another element, the penalties. Yeah. If we hadn't, if we hadn't got the penalties, let's let's blame the penalties. Let's get rid of the penalties. That's my theme of this show. Let's get uh, rid of we've the been saying that for three years now. <laughs> no, yeah. No, the theme of no, 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 show. no, no, no. Last season, I was saying, let's get rid of Bruce Ellington. Oh, yes, you were. <laughs> and and his, guess what? His, his own mother <laughs> replied to a comment of mine. Uh, on, <gasps> yes. Seriously? Oh, yes. yes. On a, yes. a social media story. platform. Um, yeah, his own mother was quite well known for uh, just searching people's criticism of him and yeah. saying, have you ever played football? And I just I got this reply and I was like, oh, it's his mom. <laughs> obviously, obviously, I had to respect not to reply to the woman. She's defending her son. I was just, I was just criticising the man purely on football basis. How, how is, how is Bruce doing, by the way? <laughs> we'll leave Crickets. that there. So the team also made some roster moves in the last week. Um, Friday the thirteenth was rather unlucky for the faithful, as the Niners released longtime favourite Navarro Bowman. The eight-year veteran has registered 808 tackles, 12 and a half sacks, four INTs, including the pick at the stick, which is his only touchdown, seven forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries, and 28 passes defended in his 84 games. On that note, Nathaniel James asks, with the release of Bowman, who do you think the 49ers will go after before the trade deadline? I don't think anyone, personally. I, uh, 
I don't think it would benefit us greatly unless it was a marquee player, which I can't see them doing. Um, I'm absolutely heartbroken that uh, what went on with Navarro. I'm pleased that the franchise organisation had the respect to release him to allow the man to go and choose his own destiny. I thought that was the least he deserved. Um, my favourite player since Patrick Willis retired. Had big hopes for him helping my man Ruben Foster, but the kid's going to have to go and do it himself now. I'm sure he's got coaches to help him. And I'd like to think, I don't know, in the short time that they, they were spent together that Ruben Foster learned stuff, learned things from him and seeing the way he conducted himself, only ever heard and seen great things from that player. So I wish him well, even though he's now ended up at a rival team. Um, I'll go as far to say if they get anywhere near the playoffs, I will purely based on him, not because of that, because of the other team, but I would like to see him win a ring. I think he deserves it. But yeah, short answer, I don't think we're going to go and trade for anyone. Let's just bring on the rest of the season. <laughs> bring on the rest of the season and get uh, get that first round draft pick. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but uh, I think we all know, well, I, I, it might not be a quarterback if Bethard produces, you know, it's still within the season. I'm reading a lot. Everyone's looking forward to the draft already. I'm, I'm No, football's on. I'm enjoying watching my team play football. Yes, all right, I'll enjoy the playoffs and we probably won't be there, but let's enjoy it while it's here because I don't know if I miss it when it's not. Stranger things have happened. I'd agree with James um, that I don't think we are going to pick anybody up. Bowman wasn't getting the kind of minutes that he was hoping to get that he was expecting to get he didn't really fit into the defensive system anymore with the 49ers and again echo what James has said the 49ers did the right thing by him and let him go and let him pursue his own future if he didn't fit into the system there's not really any point in bringing anybody in to replace him because they're not going to fit into the system either so yeah I think stick with what we've got um Hopefully get Ruben Foster back on the field as soon as possible. We've lost Eric Armstead for... Have we lost him for the season? He's broken his hand, he, hasn't he? He is uh, on IR. Weeks. Placed on IR to make room for the two new uh, defensive linemen that they signed uh, just Monday, I think. Monday can or they, Tuesday. Yeah. Can they not bring him back after wait eight weeks, though? I read that. I read there's a possibility that if you place him on IR, you can, you can come yeah. back. But only after eight weeks. After eight weeks. Yeah. Um, it's, it's whether he'd be ready. It's, so, right. Uh, it's just, let's, with a, with a yeah. I mean, okay, JPP played with half a hand. So <laughs> there's, there's a possibility that <laughs> that Eric Armstead could could play with a broken hand. But it, you know, it's whether they'd want, it's not whether they'd it, want to it? do that. Yeah. 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 Uh, Neil Jepson asks, are the franchise cleaning house to bring in players to fit the Shanahan scheme or to get rid of the big personalities who carry weight in the locker room? Will Staley be next? What do you think, Paul? I'm tempted to say both. Mm. From from what I've heard, all of the veterans have been told that they are up for grabs, um, including Hyde. Hyde was told it as well. And I'm, I'm wondering whether this is, okay, Shanahan's come in, um, build the team around him. There's been so many changes and... I don't know. I, I, I say, I think there's a bit of both there. Put everybody on notice that their jobs are not safe and use that to build the team that Shanahan wants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think there is... I don't think we would hear uh, that every, all the veterans have been put on notice if there isn't something in it. Um, I don't know if that is exactly what they're doing. Um it's strange, I think, with Bowman. I do think it's a really strange thing that he wasn't getting the minutes. And you are right, I don't think he was particularly fit in the system. And people are blaming his product, you know, oh, is he wasn't the, the Navarre Bowman of old. Possibly down to the system. Um, Possibly, yeah. Uh, you know, rather than his own production. But we're only going to find out in how he performs, um, you know, for his new team and yep. going forward until he decides to hang up his cleats. But yeah, I do think. Um, it's a possibility. I'm going to go with Paulie. I think it's both. I don't think they. I don't think they would be as brazen enough to get rid of all the veterans in one go because I think that would be a massive fan backlash, um, and I think they're doing it very smart, cleverly, and very cleverly. Um, I do hope Staley doesn't go, but if these guys are dead set on a clean sweep, 
then we will find out. Um, the next one could possibly be Carlos Trade get Carlos Trade Carlos Hyde getting traded. Carlos Trade um, getting hired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, I say my own. I've had a looked into him myself this week, and if we lost him, would it be a massive detriment to the team? I don't know. I'm not in charge of the team, but that could be the next one. And then after Carlos, it could be Joe. Uh, or even, you know, wait till the end of the season with Joe. That trade deadline is, you know, coming up quite quickly. Um, so, yeah, I think it's both. I do think it's a strong possibility looking at it. Um, but I don't think they'll be, they're going to do it all in one go because they would get a massive fan backlash. And, and, well, whether the owner really cares what the fans think. We, mm. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I think both. I agree with Paul. You would think that the assumption would be when you get a new coaching staff and a new GM that everyone would understand that they were put on notice because not everyone is going to fit that system. So, interesting. Uh, Let's see. So, earlier this week, the team added a pair of defensive linemen, as I alluded to earlier. Troy McDaniel and Lee J. Doosable were both signed to one-year deals. Um, let's see. I found a little bit on both of them. McDaniel was originally signed by the Jaguars in 2006, but he's also played for the Dolphins, the Bucks, and the Seahawks. However, he does have playoff experience with the Seahawks. Um, in 141 games, he's registered 280 tackles, 11 and a half sacks, 13 passes defended, and three fumble recoveries. Uh, Lee J. Doosable was with the Bills last season and previously had played for the Rams, Jaguars, Titans, and Jets. In 107 games, he has registered 159 tackles, six and a half sacks, two passes defended, and one fumble recovery. Is this just to shore up the defensive line, do you think? Is that why they got one-year deals? I think so. I don't think we should expect big things from these guys. Um, I think they're just purely for depth reasons. Um which you know, which is fair enough. Which is the you know the strength and depth of a of a, an NFL team is the depth on the depth chart. So I think yeah, they they are defensive players. I wouldn't expect massive things from them. Uh, to be entirely honest, neither of them have had fantastic careers up to date. I mean, all right, they've had better careers in the NFL than I have. But <laughs> you know, I mean, I could could eat my words. Anything can happen in the NFL. Uh, you know, all, one of them could all of a sudden be a, a late bloomer um, and record five or six sacks. Oh, well, not in a game. That's a bit, that'd be nice, wouldn't that, it? Yeah. It mm. would be lovely, but yeah. uh, well, let's know. come back to earth. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am looking forward to seeing uh, Doomerville, though. I think that guy's a beast. He's proved it throughout his entire career, and he's already got a sack for us this season. Yeah. Um, he just looks, it looks an issue for offensive lines um, anyway, just one of them guys are just so experienced that whoever they come up against, they've beat guys in the past so many different ways that they've got so many plays of their own to turn to. So I'm looking forward to seeing Doomerville, um as well, rather than the, you know, these two guys, but yeah, it's depth on the depth chart. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Good luck to the guys. I hope they do well. I would question why we've not been making moves for the offensive line. We know that they're a turnstile offensive line anyway. Thank you. <laughs> it needs go, – going back to the, the what we were talking about before with the veterans, Joe Staley is part of that offensive line, the offensive line that is absolutely not working. It's Basically, it's the only position on the field that didn't get changed out last season. And last season, it was just as diabolical as it is this season. We're missing a trick. We need to get rid of the offensive line. We need to bring in a new offensive line. That's where we should be concentrating on mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. the trade deadline. Bring in somebody to shore up that offensive line. The fact that all five of the O-line played all 72 offensive snaps says that we don't have depth at the offensive line. And the offensive line that we do have is not doing the job. Yeah, um, yeah, spot on, Paul, spot on. I don't know what's out there and what's available. I mean, I'm not the GM. Um, Yeah, definitely. I mean, it is terrible. It really is. Uh, Offensive line guys as well. I'm sure there is guys on other teams' rosters that are, you know, second string that are better than our starters um, that we could pick up for late-round picks. But then are they, you know, are they going to... 
are they saving the picks to go out and draft all these new players, new GM, new head coach, new young talents? You know, perhaps in the off season, we are going to see all of our offensive line go. I mean, sure as hell, if, if Joe Staley's been put on notice, the rest of them can, can yeah. certainly go as well, you know. What's the danger in going out and going for a trade to kind of shore up that offensive line before the trade deadline ends? Something yeah. God, I've, I've, again, I don't know. Michael, possibly, if you're listening, yeah. our friend, if uh, you know a lot about offensive lines. Yeah. Uh, we need you back. <laughs> yeah, po- post up, post up. Who do you think in free agents? Uh, or even, yeah, come back on the show. Who do you think who's out there in the free agency who would improve our offensive line? That's a great question. There you go. Bit of homework for Michael. We'll, we'll see if he listens to this episode. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd be intrigued, surely would be intrigued. Okay. So we have some other questions the group has asked. Uh, Steve Panda Richardson asked, did Kyle make a mistake in not hiring a separate offensive coordinator? Should he have concentrated on being the head coach only? James, what do you think? Whether he should have had an offensive coordinator, I think it's too early to say. We'll see how the season pans out in total. And I'm sure, he, I mean, he look, he seems like a humble guy, our head coach. Does. I'm sure if he takes it at the end of the season to bring an offensive coordinator in to work alongside him, I'm sure he'll do it. But no, let's, you know, let's, let's let the best offensive coordinator from the NFL last season, um, let's ha- let him have a go at it as head coach and OC. Why not? <laughs> you know. You've got to give these new guys time. It's it's only six games. <clears throat> Jason Argo asks, should we be prepared for an 0-16 season? He also asks, with Eric Armstead going on the IR, does this give Solomon Thomas a chance to shine? Paul? We should never be ready for an 0-16 season. <clears throat> if it happens, it happens. It's something we've got to deal with. But we've always got to believe that this team can squeeze at least one or two wins out of it. And let's not forget that across five games, they've lost them by an accumulated 13 points. We we have been within a field goal of either tying a game or winning a game in the last five games. So, you know, they're, they're not blowouts. None of these games have been blowouts. We the, the team that we've got can win at least a couple of games, certainly on the performance of Bethard in the, in the Washington game. Is it time for Solomon Thomas to shine? Yeah. Well, it's always time for him to shine. It was time for him to shine <laughs> in the first game. Um, so much pressure gets put on these first-round picks, and he was such a high first-round pick with high expectations and apparently has the high ability to go with it. So, yeah, why not, Solomon? Let's let's see a bit more of you. But, no, we should not be prepared to go 0-16. We're not going to go 0-16. We've been so close. Um, yes, we've got a 0-6 record, and we keep saying that we're the best I keep saying we're the best because it sounds so good. We are the best 0 6 team in NFL history. Do you know we're what, James? Gonna... Just, just so it's not you only saying it, yep. we are the best 0 6 Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I said it twice now. Come on. Um, but no, we shouldn't be prepared for an all loss yeah. season. And I don't think it's going to happen. I really We don't. got 10 more games in this season. We can win yeah. five of them. Come on. We've halfway. We've we've come so close on so many occasions. Yeah. Let's yeah. not be the nearly niners. <laughs> uh Daryl Nils Heinemann at states, I love this statement. The productive struggle is well and truly on with letting go of the captain of the defense and with the rumors of trying to trade Hyde as well. The fact that this young team is still competitive is a testament to this coaching staff. But where do you honestly see us winning a game? Four out of our next five are playoff contending teams. What do you think, Paul? Uh, come back to me because I've got to bring up the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. I know. Right. I knew she was going to do that and then come straight to me. Here, I'll fill the I'll fill the void. He okay. continues to say, "I don't think we're an 0-16 team, but there are some really strong teams coming up, including the Cowboys." Even the likes of the Jags and the Bears, who have shown good things and beaten good teams this season. And let's not forget, the, the Jags and the Bears have been working on their teams. Okay. Ready? <laughs> Where do you honestly see us winning a game? Uh, 
I think the Giants game might be an interesting one. They've they've won their first game of the season. Uh, they're coming into Levi's on Sunday, the twelfth November. I think that's going to be a win for us. The Cowboys, Cowboys is going to be a difficult one. I think uh, Eagles. I can't see us getting a win away at uh, Lincoln Financial. Then we've got three games on the bounce at home: Cardinals, Giants, and Seahawks. I think we could win. I'm, I'm pretty confident we could win two out of those three. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, why can't we beat the Cowboys? Why can't ah. we? I, I really, with the... this could Again, I'll say this every week. This could backfire. Hasn't backfired totally on me yet. I know we've lost games, but by very close margins. I've not said that we were going to get blown out by any of these teams. Can't see us getting blown out by the Cowboys. Also, honestly, truthfully, can't see us winning. But I know I've just said, why can't we? Honestly, don't think we will beat the Eagles. But I think we've got it in us to beat the Cardinals and Giants. I agree with Paul. Seahawks, we, you know, they were terrible. We were terrible when they just beat us. They're not, they don't look great. No, they don't. Um, They they don't at all. So, yeah. um, Again, Mr. Positive James is coming back slightly, possibly due to the, the excitement I've got surrounding the new young rookie quarterback that we've got in um, and the spark that he created in the last game. Yeah, why can't he create that spark against the Cowboys? But honestly, sensible head on. Yeah, Cardinals, Giants. I think we'll get one win out of either of those games, if not both. I think we can beat the Seahawks. I do. Oh, they're definitely a beatable team, but they're also our bogey team of late as well. Yeah. And it's... That's a, that, I think that's a coin toss game, really. Well, yeah. let's go back and talk about this week's game against the Cowboys. The Niners are coming home. We're going to be in Santa Clara. It's also going to be a very emotional day because the Niners will be honor will be honoring the legendary Dwight Clark. Um, and there are reports going around the various media sites that at halftime, both Dwight Clark and Joe Montana will be speaking to the crowd. So I'm really curious to catch that on YouTube later on. Uh, Niners Cowboys series tied 17, 17 and one. Our last meeting was a 24, 17 win for the Cowboys in Santa Clara week four of the 2016 season. Uh, touchdowns by Carlos Hyde and Jeremy Curley gave the Niners a 14 0 lead early in the second quarter. And then Dallas drew level by halftime and Ezekiel Elliott ran that, that touchdown to clinch the game. The Cowboys have won the last four out of the five meeting out of five meetings, including their last three in San Francisco. Ike. Sensible head on again. Uh, I'm right in saying that Elliot's playing against us. I know there's been backwards and forwards with this ban on ban off. It's like a soap opera. Um, it's like Dallas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Very well done. But if he if he is playing, he's gonna run straight at the middle. Yeah, it? run and straight at the middle. Everything's uh, looking to like he's playing. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, just read that. So sensible head on. I think he's gonna run a mock. Um, I think it will be down to how Bethard performs um, and how his receivers help him out. And Kittle looks a good player, but God, man. Stop dropping those passes. So, yes, let's hope our receivers help out. But, yeah, I think this is going to be, if we're going to be in this game, it's going to be another Rams game. It's going to be a high-scoring, close game. Well, the Cowboys have allowed an average of 26 points over per game so far. That's 29th in the NFL. Um, The Niners are allowing 24.3 Maybe there's an edge there. Looking at the um, looking at the stats on NFL.com, the 49ers are behind yards per game, passing yards per game, rushing yards per game. Oh, Rainer. However, right. <laughs> however, that is under Brian Hoyer. Under Bethard, we just don't know what's going to happen in this game. I'm quietly confident. I'm not saying it's a nailed-on win. Mm-hmm. It's a possible win. We've got we, we still haven't seen Bethard in a full game, a full sixty minute game yet. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be interesting to watch. Um all we can do is wait and see. Here's the nice thing. 
the Cowboys haven't seen Beathard in a full game either. Precisely. So they don't have exactly. a whole lot of film on him yeah. to, to prepare for. So yeah. That's where more positivity comes from this week is yeah. the unknown factor of our quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most important position, arguably, on a, well, not arguably, he's the most important position on a team, isn't he? And not knowing too much about the player in that position on their opposing team makes it hard to plan against him. Yeah. Yes, you can look at preseason film. Who takes anything from preseason, really? Um, and you can look at his college career. <laughs> Do they? Will they take anything from his college career? Because it's a totally different scheme and it's a different league. Yeah. So it is that. That's where I gain my positivity from. Is this unknown fact? You know, unknown quantity of our quarterback. Um, where, where I would have caution though is that okay, they don't know our quarterback. They do know our offensive line, and they know how mm-hmm. porous it is. Yeah, and if if they can get through our offensive line, our quarterback is on his own. And yeah. in the game against Washington, when Bethard was under pressure, I think he only completed three of eleven passes. So yeah. he he's got to be ready to react when the line collapses because it will collapse. Yeah, we might see a few scrambles. Yeah. Yeah, a few Kaepernick type play. No. But if he goes for fourteen yards, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Each time, every time, every yeah. time, every time, every time. I'm telling 14 you, fourteen yards. I don't come back. No, I'm <laughs> yeah, um, he's more likely to be able to produce those sort of sort of plays than Hoyer, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, James is not the only uh, Mr. Optimistic we have in our group. Martin Hughes. Hi, Martin. Asks. How do you think we will beat the cowgirl the cowgirls in normal time or overtime? Hopefully they don't stay in the bath too long. I mean, <laughs> uh, hopefully they don't stay on the pitch too long. And let's beat them in normal time. Why is it whenever I hear the name Martin Hughes? <laughs> it is, isn't it? The bath. It's just rubber I, ducks. I, I don't yeah. know. It's not. I can hear Bear from Burton. Any rubber ducky? I love you. <laughs> Brilliant. uh, yes we're going to beat them in normal time normal time all the way around yes normal time we've had enough of this overtime thing that's you know that that's so early early in the season when you know this is the next phase there you go it's the cj bethard phase right it's the cj bethard cj3 let's get on that bandwagon (laughs) uh nathaniel james asks james little Will we see Reuben Foster back this week? We thought we were going to see him last week. I certainly thought I was going to see him last week. Um, I didn't expect him to play all of the snaps last week, but I expected to see him now and again. Um, but I think they were they were being cautious with him. And I'll go with that attitude in terms of I'd love to see him play. I'd love to see him play every snap. But if it's going to get the guy hurt and be a detriment to him further on, no, let's let's rub this rub. Let's run this. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, let's wrap this guy in bubble wrap. Um, I know that my man crush got, came out a bit too much in. I do apologise. Um, yeah, let's wrap him in bubble wrap and just make sure that he is as good. Um, you know, yeah, let's just be cautious. I'd like to see him. I think we will. Um, but yeah, let's be cautious with him. Let's make Cass. sure he's ready. Cass. Ready, that's key. Oh. Am I the only one that's concerned that James wants to rub him in bubble wrap? <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but okay. That's, 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 that's taking a man crush in the back. Yeah, that's taking a man crush to a whole new level. Different level altogether. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This show well, just got weird. It did. It got very weird. Okay, back to business here. Uh, guys, we have two minutes on the clock. Are you ready for the two-minute drill? Absolutely, I am pumped. This is how two-minute drill gets done. Awesome. Yes. Okay, let's do this. And we are going to start with Paul. The Giants won the weekend to leave the 49ers and the Browns at 0-6. Who will end up with the number one pick? The Browns. Okay, James. Arizona and the Rams come to London this weekend for an NFC West matchup. Who will be victorious? Rams. Uh, Paul, Tank Carradine is on a contract year. Renew or release? I think release. Ah. James, barring reaching the playoffs or firing Shanahan, the Niners will be eligible for hard knocks next year. Would you like to see them do it? 
Yes, I love that show. <laughs> Paul, when do you see the Niners' first win coming? Sunday. All right. Sunday, James. always Sunday. Oh, there you go. James, there is talk of a new deal for Hyde. Would you give him a new deal or start with a different running back next season? Yes, I love Hyde. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> Paul, after seeing... Oh, here it is. After seeing Cousins firsthand last weekend, should we make a move if he hits the open market? No, I wasn't impressed with him. Okay. James, Kittle leads all tight ends with four dropped catches so far this season. Should this improve now is that his old college quarterback is under center? Yes, yes. Huh. Uh, Paul, the league standings show us as an 0-16, but what record do you think we should have based on performances? Are we really an 0-16? No, we are the most successful 0-16. <laughs> We, we should have won at least two of the games that we've had, but we haven't, so we are 0-6. Okay. And James, finally, what effect would this win, would a win this weekend have on a t on the team? Could one win start a domino effect? It can. Will it? Don't know. And we're out of time. <laughs> Woo! Perfect! Look at that. We got all the way through without hitting the buzzer. Okay, back to business, guys. We're wrapping up the show. Who's going to win, 49ers or Cowboys? Paul. 49ers. I've got to say the 49ers because I say the 49ers every time. Even on the pick six, I say the 49ers. But because we've come so close so many times, I think Bethard could be the deciding factor here. And I'm putting I'm, – I'm nailed on 49ers. I've got to go 49ers no matter what. You're making me, making me think what I put for the pick six. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've, I think, I think I was still, well, still upset at the loss and put the Cowboys. Um, yeah, unfortunately, heart says Niners, head says tie. <laughs> tie. Yeah. No, 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 um, no, do you know what? Yeah, Niners, Bethard, Spark, something. Yeah, Niners, go for it. I'm going against my pick six. This is a, uh, yeah. Niners, let's go. I want to bring up something, if I can, just before we finish. Um, that Brian Davis posted a good couple of weeks ago now. Um, he posted a comment that it turns out it's from a film called Clockwise, which I didn't know. But what he posted was, it's not the despair, it's the hope. <laughs> and yes. it, it applies so much to the 49ers because every week for the last five weeks, through the games, they've given us hope. In the last game, Beth had gave us hope because he came back from a 17-point deficit and came within inches of winning that game. And that's been the thing this season. It's been the hope. The hope's been the hardest part. But we have to keep hoping. We have to keep faithful. And somewhere, we will get a win. Yeah. And uh, we, we contribute to the hope every week. So mm -hmm. let's contribute again together. Yes. And that win will be this Sunday against the Cowboys because you will, will never be. find this girl pick a Cowboy ever, 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 ever. Number one. Number two, the CJ Beathard starting era has begun. And I think, I think we are there. I think we are going to win. It will be close. I think it's going to be a tight game, but I think we are going to come out victorious. We are. We are definitely. All right, guys. Well, thanks to Audionautics.com for the music. Thanks to all our friends, Mark Lyon, Andrew Mitchell, Rob Newell, Deepak Gohill, Daryl Nils Hanman, and Graham Ross for all the work they do on the group and the show. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Niner Empire GB and on Facebook, search for the Niner Empire GB group. Of course, you could always email us at Frequency49Show at gmail.com. And that is the number 49. It's time to say goodbye, boys. Goodbye. Just before we do, can I just say one more thing? What's that, Paul? On Sunday, the 29th of October, which is the Philadelphia Eagles game, a group of fans from the northwest of England, so if you're in the area, Merseyside, North Wales, Manchester, were meeting up in Liverpool at the Shooter's Bar in Liverpool 1, uh, where we'll enjoy a few drinks, we'll watch the game there. So if you are in the area please feel free to come along. I've put an event on the uh, on the Niner Empire GB 
Facebook group. So just tag yourself in that, say you're coming along, and we'd be more than welcome, uh, more than happy to have anybody come along that wants to join in. And wear your Niner gear. Oh, yeah. Niner gear is compulsory, yes. Um, <laughs> because we're going to have a photograph taken, which we are then going to send to the San Francisco 49ers. Um, so, yes, um, nice. team, team colors are compulsory. And one more thing before I forget. I know this is not a planned ending to a show, so I'm really sorry about that. Um, over the past couple of weeks, we've been asking people to support the show with helping towards the costs of hosting the show on the Internet so that it's available to everybody. Um, we have now reached that funding goal. So I wanted to say thank you to everybody that's helped with that so far, specifically Mark Lyon, Neil Jeff our own Cat Victorino, Jason Argo, Bonnie McClory-Finn, Dave Lapsley, Martin Hughes, Mr. Dindar, and Lisa Walker-Lawrence. Thank you very much for the money that you have sent through um, that will be used to pay for the hosting of the show. We are going to keep the funding stream open um, so that, you know, if, if you want to add a little bit to it, and I'm going to be adding to it as well, and I'm sure other people are, we're going to try and see if we can get a group flag that we can start taking to events um and we can have it photographed so if you want to help towards the cost of that we'd really appreciate it but thank you to everybody that donated this time round it keeps the frequency 49 show on the air for another 12 months and these guys can carry on bringing you some great great shows thank you very much everyone and on that note on behalf of paul mcdonald and james little i'm cat victorino thank you for listening goodbye for now do you know it's disgusting on this side of the desk? There's Kit Kat wrappers everywhere. <laughs> I hope you're still recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <brilliant. laughs>